want merchandise from the DCTV Podcast Tee Public Store? Record yourself reading the DCTV plugs for Supergirl Radio and you'll automatically be entered into a contest to win an item of your choosing. Here's how you can do it. Record yourself reading our DCTV plugs and email it to supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you don't have a way to record yourself with a microphone or an audio recorder, you can just call us at 678-718-7252 and leave us a voicemail. The entries will be judged on creativity and substance. Make sure your interpretation of the plugs is unique and make sure you include all of the podcasts listed on dctvpodcast.com. If you're chosen as the winner, not only will you be able to select something from the Tee Public Store, you'll also be included as a regular fixture on Supergirl Radio. So, get to training, do your breathing exercises, and get to plugging those podcasts. What's up? This is Makad Brooks. I'm playing James the Bridge Olsen. That's right. And you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio. Super, 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 Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and since my usual co-host Morgan Glennon is unavailable this week, Mike from the Caped Chronicles and DC Talk podcast is joining me to discuss the season four episode of Supergirl titled Call to Action. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Mike. Hey, thanks. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to be talking some some Supergirl this season. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad to have you on. I've been listening to your podcast. I really enjoy the Caped Chronicles. Uh, it's basically for anyone who doesn't know is a is a podcast about mostly superhero films, but. I think you guys do uh, like comic book related. Is that right? Yeah, so we, we do some comic book related ones. We just uh, our most recent one we did was um, was actually Power Rangers from 1995. Um, so we, we kind of hit all genres of superheroes. They don't have to be DC or Marvel uh, related. But yeah, yeah, we just we talk about all different whether comic book or or DC Marvel, um, whatever it is. So yeah. We have a good time, though. It's me and uh, three other hosts. We had two more hosts join us after Batman Forever, after we discussed that movie. They they said they, they liked it so much they want to stay on with us. <laughs> Full house now. Well, there are a lot of films to talk about, so you guys are going to be a business for quite some time. 116 to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's awesome. So we'll we'll get to listen to a lot more podcast episodes from you guys. So that's great. Cool. Well, um, since uh, since we kind of have this little tradition now, where uh, first time guests on Supergirl Radio come on to talk about an episode or a character spotlight or whatever it is, um, I'd like to ask people about their first encounter with Supergirl. So. How did you first connect with the character? Was it a movie? Was it a comic? Was it a TV show? What what was it for you? Well, I will say this: I, um, I just, we did on Cape Chronicles. We did do the 1984 Supergirl. Uh, I'm glad that that was not my first introduction to Supergirl, uh, but my first introduction was actually this show was Supergirl. Um, I didn't know I, I I've been in DC all my life, but I was I've never liked the Super Family. Um, I, I kind of shied away and stuck mainly to Batman and all them. Um, I was never a big Superman fan, so I kind of never delve any, uh, delve any deeper into it. Um, but this show has really kind of turned it around. Um, so my first connect with Supergirl was on this show that the, uh, I believe CBS had at first and then, uh, this, the CW picked up. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was through this show was my first encounter with the character. Uh, it's had its up and downs. Uh, in, in, in the show, uh, some seasons I was just kind of biting my nails, like, okay, let's get it, you know, going. And in some seasons I'm like, I'm fully engaged with this. And then Superman kind of made me feel a little good. Um, from this show, I've enjoyed Superman as well. But yeah, my first connection with Supergirl was, uh, Supergirl on TV. That's great. I mean, Melissa Benoist is a, is a great Supergirl and she's done a, a very good job in the role and has, uh, it brought a lot of new fans to the character of Supergirl. So that's very exciting that this is your first uh, real deep dive into the character because uh, I think Melissa has done such a great job. Oh, yes. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your history with the character of Supergirl. And uh, so, but before we get into our actual episode discussion, we need to get to the news. Actor John Cryer has been tapped to take on the role of the iconic villain Lex Luthor. Cryer will have a recurring role in the CW Supergirl that stars Melissa Benoist. He will first appear in the 15th episode of Season 4, slated to air sometime in 2019. Uh, So this is not John Cryer's first dip into the Superman mythos. He has been involved before. He actually played Lex Luthor's nephew slash sidekick slash henchman Lenny Luthor in Superman for the Quest for Peace. So he actually has played a Luthor uh, previously in a Superman-related properties. So, Mike, what do you think about this news? Uh, Are you excited about this casting? I wasn't expecting John Cryer. I'm interested to see how, and me and my other co-hosts were talking about this, on how the age difference between, um, uh, uh, not not, not Lena. um, Oh, Lillian. Yeah, Lillian Luthor and John Cryer is going to be, because they're not that far off from, from ages from one another so it's gonna be interesting to see how they play that as him him being the oldest son i wasn't expecting john cryer matter of fact he was the furthest from my mind um i know we've just we discussed him um on our podcast as well in the in this movie uh but i was really i mean i was really hoping for some some for some michael rosenbaum somehow uh i just i i but uh, you know that that ain't gonna happen but i mean i'm okay with it i'm okay with it i don't see it yet so it'll be interesting um but i think i think it'll I think it'll work out. So I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, I trust them. They've done pretty good so far. So I'm sure they're not going to let me down. Yeah, the casting on the show has usually been pretty great. And I, I'm i fairly open-minded when it comes to these things. 
uh, when everybody was screaming and hollering about Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, I was like, you know what? I can kind of see it. And then he became my favorite interpretation of Lex Luthor to date. So uh, I am totally open to this. I do have some concerns, though, just about, you know, how will he play with Katie McGrath and uh, Brenda Strong in terms of the Luther dynamic? Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm, I'm trusting that they have done screen tests and chemistry tests to, to see how they play off each other, uh, just so that they know that they're going to get that when they go into actually shooting the episode. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that they will have you know taken that step to get there so uh, whatever they see in him is whatever that they want out of the character so i'm trusting that the casting is uh, is right for the part and of course on on top of that the they have the uh the bonus of him being in the the superman mythology before so a little stunt casting goes a long way sometimes uh so it will be interesting to see what he does with the role because lex luther can be played a number of ways so uh so I'll be curious to see uh, what he does with it. Yeah, me too. Well, and in DC TV podcast news, podcasters from around the network will be getting together live and wired to discuss the big Elseworlds crossover event on December 12th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, unfortunately, personally for me, I will actually be flying out of the country that night uh, for a family vacation and won't be able to participate, but uh, it looks like Morgan will be there and a whole bunch of other people from around the network. So if you'd like to hop into the chat with everyone, which I totally recommend you do because it's always a lot of fun, uh, make sure you uh, either download the Mixler smartphone app uh, and get notifications of when uh, they go live or you can just visit Mixler.com slash DCTV podcasts with an S. Uh, it's multiple podcasts. Uh, but you can uh, check that chat out there uh, live December 12th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they're going to be talking about the three episodes of the big Elseworlds crossover event. And I will have to listen to it later because I will have uh, gone out of the country. So <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I can't go and participate. But uh, I'll, I'll, look for, I'll look forward to hearing what everybody thought about the crossover. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our news section. So let's get to talking about this week's episode of Supergirl titled Call to Action. And here is the official description. Quote, everyone gathers for Thanksgiving, but Kara is feeling down after her televised debate with Ben Lockwood about the anti-alien sentiment coursing through National City. Meanwhile, James and Lena argue about the best way to handle the children of liberty, unquote. So uh, this was a, a big episode about the Children of Liberty. We finally got to see them uh, kind of organized and how they operate and uh, what, what their big manifesto was. Uh, so it was very focused on the Children of Liberty and what was going on with them and how Ben Lockwood was sort of uh, going about appearing on television and all, all of that. So uh, I'm curious, Mike, what do you think about... James uh, inserting himself into the Children of Liberty at this point. I kind of see both hit and miss um, with Lena's idea and with James's idea. I know Lena didn't want him to go insert himself into there, uh, but I, I think it's um, sometimes in order to to gain the truth, you have to dig yourself in. I do think he's going. I do think it's going to come back to bite him. I don't know how. Uh, but I, I didn't mind him inserting himself. He feels like he needs to do something. He he acts. I, I don't know. I I've been a little difficult with the direction that James has gone this year, on the last couple seasons. Actually, like seems like they have nothing for him. But I can see this being a very interesting turn. 
So I do like the fact that he inserted himself and he's trying to get deeper involved. I just think he's going to get more involved than what he probably realizes he's going to get. And I think he's going to have to find somebody. I, honestly, I could see Lena, and we can get into this a little bit later, with her with her experiments that she's had, she may be the one to come and save him later on. And that may end up causing a split between those two somehow. Um, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, I actually, you talking about having some frustrations with the James character, that's been pretty well documented on Supergirl Radio that we have had <laughs> some issues with James because sometimes it does feel like they don't, have anything for him to do and he kind of goes and does one thing and then he goes and does another thing he becomes guardian he becomes ceo catco he just kind of seems to kind of go where the wind blows but i was actually glad in this episode to see i felt like james finally got a really good meaty storyline for himself that he was actually going to do something on his own and it was going to go over multiple episodes and be kind of a little arc for him so i was really glad to see that he was being given something to do and having him get involved with the children of liberty to find out who they are and who agent liberty is uh you know mixed with his relationship with lena i i think this has given him more to do than he's ever had to do on the series in in almost uh i mean i guess counting this season well maybe three seasons and six episodes uh, this this seems like the the most he's had to do in a while, so I'm I'm really glad to see him getting this. I think it was the whole season um, has 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 been like this. It, the 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 Children of Liberty. I don't know if we're gonna bring this up or not, but the Children of Liberty kind of have that. Um, I don't know if you watch Walking Dead or not, but they kind of have that We Are Negan vibe. And uh, when I when I, when I was watching them, um, they're like We Are you know Agent Liberty. They're they're so it's it, could he be brainwashed mm. somehow? Somehow, because we know he's going through a lot right now with some personal issues with Lena, um, with some issues with with trying to fit in and trying to find what he needs to do as far as with Guardian. Could there be an issue where somehow he he gets manipulated? Because um, I know we I watch Young Justice too, and I'm trying to binge that before um, the new one comes to DC Universe app. But uh, I know at one point Guardian in that in that series at the beginning of that series. Um, he was brainwashed and other influence. Now, they, now that was by telepaths. Um, but could he somehow fall into think that these guys are actually doing good? Be an interesting turn for James. It's funny that you mention telepaths uh, because we know we have one on the show, and then there's another character in the, the uh, character of Manchester Black who should be a telepath, uh, given his comic book backstory in his comic book history in in the comics he actually does uh have uh, uh telepathic powers so i'm wondering if he ever does develop those in the future of the show which it feels like they hinted it a little bit in some of the yeah. dialogue he talks a lot being uh, uh he talks a lot about mind reading powers and things like that so uh and now that i'm thinking about it uh, Manchester Black in the comics, especially, uh, not necessarily so much, you know, Superman versus the Elite, the animated film, but in the comics, he's been known to make certain uh, situations look like something they're not really, like almost like a hallucination that somebody encounters and thinks that, oh, you know, Superman thinks Lois Lane is dead, but she's not really, but it looks like it because he's manipulated the situation to look like that. So I could see a situation maybe if Manchester Black develops his uh, telepathic abilities 
then maybe he puts James in that situation where either he sees someone, maybe he sees Lena dead, or Lena sees James dead, something like that. I could see something like that where he manipulates uh, something to do with James in the future. I could, I could definitely see that. And I, you know, there could be a situation where he actually does have an encounter with Ben Lockwood, his agent, Liberty, and Agent Liberty does something to him because we've seen that with Agent Jensen, where uh, Agent Liberty uh, <laughs> put a parasite into his head. So <laughs> you never know what could happen. That 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 is true. That is one question I brought up with my other co-host was why must there always be a parasite, and why must it always enter through the ear? I I think it's just they they know it's uncomfortable for us to watch, and so yes. that's why they do it. Yeah, some something similar actually happened on Krypton on uh sci-fi and it's it's just always so weird when they do i don't like it no (laughs) Uh, so it's it's not it's not fun they they could do it some other way i feel like uh so yeah i'm 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 really excited to see what he does with the children of liberty because i think it makes all the sense in the world to put the the human hero they keep kind of referring to him as that uh, you know inside this group and actually have him go undercover with them uh, you know, the DEO is kind of chasing dragons and doing all of that, where, <laughs> whereas J- James could go in undercover with this group and kind of figure out what they're doing and what they're up to and how they operate. So I think it makes all the sense in the world for him to get involved with them. Oh, yeah. But uh, Lena didn't seem to think it was a good idea. So what are your thoughts, Mike, on uh, Lena and James's little conflict or couple spat i don't know how you would uh describe that but they they seem to have an argument in this episode well uh i um i've never actually been a fan of this relationship um since i it's almost like they have two people they didn't know which direction they wanted to go with so they put them together and hope that would make an interesting storyline um but i definitely sense that there is some cracks in their relationship foundation um it was very evident in this episode i think think both kind of crossed the line uh in this episode with one another um i almost want to put more blame on lena though because i can i can kind of empathize with with james on this because number one she covered up or she never told him that she got the case against him thrown out um and i think that was a you know i think that was a rough time and then number two um i think her telling him i'm your boss well i'm gonna you know i'm I don't want you to do it as your boss. I want you to go to this roundtable discussion. I think that um, there's there's reasons why companies have rules that says nobody can date somebody that's an authority in them. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And and this is a prime example uh, of that. And yet he still dis- disagreed with with her and went and did what he wanted to do anyways. Um, but I think it's gonna I think it's gonna drive Lena um, toward a more Lutheresque kind of setup. Uh, I can I can see this almost being the point where she kind of makes that turn and then we know we're getting Lex later on in the season that Lex kind of pushes her somehow and I could see them setting Lena up to be the main the main villain next season. But I do think it's gonna hurt their relationship. I think it's gonna hurt it greatly. I, I we saw it we saw the cracks already forming. Um, it, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see if they can repair this, um, because we know Lena is very sneaky. So even though they may repair it, um, as crafty as she is, she's still going to be doing those the, the the trials, the experiments, um, the human trial we got coming up. So that that's that's. But I do think it impacted it. 
I think when you bring the boss element into it and you bring the element of I'm going to do what I'm going to do, I'm the one who protected you, um, I'm the one who got the indictment thrown out, it's all me, I, I, I can see why that drove him to go do it anyways. Yeah, she said she says I love you and there's no line in the universe I would not cross to keep you safe and he says if that's not what you think love is I'm not sure if I want any part of that. Right. So if if they're not even agreeing on what they think love is that could make them drift apart. That could separate them. And I, I do think there was a lot of tension in that hallway. I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, I guess maybe that's the the soap opera fan in me that really <laughs> enjoy enjoyed that scene because uh, that's a very soap opera you know trope that you know a couple fights and they start yelling at each other. Um, and it happens a lot on soap operas. Uh, but uh, that scene in the hallway, I thought I I was like, wow, it was loaded with emotions. Yeah, the acting game was on point, on fire in that in that little scene. So I I really enjoyed that because, and I think that's what I like about Katie McGrath is that she she can really if you give her something like that, she will really deliver. Um, and so I'm I'm glad that they're finally starting to give her some more, like you said, a more emotional uh, material there to really let her shine. And I think I also thought McCod did a really great job in that scene. Cause it yeah. was really believable. And I was, I was really kind of like, Oh my gosh, you guys don't break up. <laughs> like I know some people have had problems with their relationship and I did at the beginning, but I kind of over time, I was, I was not like shipping them or whatever, but I, I kind of was like, well, they're together and they seem happy. So I'm going to pull for them. And now that they, you know, kind of seem like they might head towards a breakup, I'm like, oh, you guys. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. If they break up, I, I just, you know, I, I hope they don't try to ship the whole um, Cara and and James relationship again. Uh, just let that one lie. Um, it's it's <laughs> let it go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that one is uh, DOA uh, because in season two they dropped it uh, immediately in the premiere, so I <laughs> I don't see them going back to that. But yeah, it, it, I'm I'm glad you brought up the point about what this could do, uh, not only for James's character but also for Lena's character and where that might push her to go because I. I have been thinking this whole time she's if she does turn evil she's going to turn evil because Supergirl's been lying to her this whole time but it could also be that she has started down this path because she's gotten her heart broken yeah and uh I I do think that that is something uh that could really shake her up and and push her to a, a dark place and it does seem like she's you know, to be fair to Lena it seems like she's doing what she's doing out of uh, love for James in her mind, love for James, even if James d- disagrees on the definition of love. Uh, but she does it because she loves James and she wants to protect him. So it could be that maybe later on down the line, she has to step in and, and save him. Uh, so uh, I don't know, but I, I think that's a, an interesting speculation. And uh, I'm I'm glad to see that they, you know, again, were given some meaty things to do in this episode, even though it was... It was heartbreaking to watch. It makes you kind of wonder what that last phone call that James had ignored from from Lena. Yeah. What 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 she was going to say because after that, I believe the scene came up of her saying, "Let's do human trials." So maybe she was trying to make one last ditch effort to not kind of fall toward that Luther side. And then when he did not pick up, maybe he was what was in essence keeping her grounded. And and when he did not pick up and hit ignore, she said, "All right, you know," and let let. 
go give me a human. I, th- I think I think we're ready. Yeah, it it definitely seems like it's it's playing into uh, that stuff because even when she tells James that uh, she stepped in with the DA and made that okay for him, she tells him I would do it again in a heartbeat. So I think that that is connected to her her. Uh, 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 whatchamacallit, I know there's a term for it, not like evil mastermind, but her, her scientific, uh, her scientific, maybe possibly evil experiments down there. But I mean, it does seem like she's trying to do something good. She's trying to cure cancer. But when you're, when you create an indestructible heart that can't, uh, be burned up, I am, uh, questioning what you're going to do with that. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that could go, uh, uh, that could go a bad way. It could go a good way. Uh, but it depends on who has it. Um, and actually speaking uh, about, you know, uh, whether or not things can be good or bad as a result of, you know, having superpowers, they did have a little bit of a discussion like that in uh, at the Thanksgiving dinner where they talked about uh, humans versus aliens and what to do if you could create superpowers and give them to humans. Uh, what do you think that says, Mike, about Lena's character, that she was sticking up for humans and saying, hey, well, maybe we could make it a level playing field if humans had superpowers too? I go back to my thought. I think she's starting down that path because, and, you know, it could have something to do with Supergirl. Once she finds out that Kara has been lying to her, that, okay, you know, we're going to have to level this now. It's It's... I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out how to how to word this, how to answer this. It um, it's an interesting thought. Uh, she's almost kind of taken some of Ben Lockwood's rhetoric and gave it a second thought. Like, huh? Okay, I I I I get it now. As far as leveling the playing field, I think all you're doing there is is because then I think it was um, Alex and her mom said okay who gets to choose then who gets to be who gets to level the playing field because you know if you get if you're the one who gets to choose you get to be god you get to choose who gets the power and who doesn't get the power and we know whenever that happens you run into you, you run into a lot of issues because anybody can lie anybody can pass whatever test you have and get that power completely power power alters people um it, some people can't take it some people can but I think as far as her wanting to level the playing field, I think there are other ways to level the playing field. And I think what you're doing there is you're taking communication completely out of the scenario. You're not you're saying, you know what, we're not gonna communicate anymore. We're gonna get our own Sue superpowers and 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 we're we're gonna be on par with you guys. And I think it's gonna violence violence in essence will always beget more violence. And hate will always enact more hate. Yeah, and uh I, I do think that when you when you have power like that, it can corrupt you. You know, absolute power uh, corrupts abs- absolutely, or whatever that quote is. Um, so it is a little dangerous if you give it to someone who can maybe go a little bit on the, uh, I don't know, psychopathic route, or you know, whatever that uh, n- that uh, scientific term is uh, for for someone who kind of just loses it. Uh, I think it could be uh, dangerous, even if that person starts out normal and with good intentions uh it could be uh power can corrupt that person so it is very dangerous so i'm very curious to see what uh lena will do from here because it does seem like she was more in line with agent liberty even though she didn't seem to uh 
intentionally be wanting to be uh, in, on the same line as Agent Liberty. It just kind of came out of her that she she thought uh, thought people could be as powerful as aliens as well. So I mean, it's it's not it's not like she she hadn't been thinking about it because you're not just going to say something if you haven't thought about it. So so the thoughts already been there. How can you know that means in her own mind she must feel insecure to a point as well. And I, when I use the word insecure, I don't mean that she's you know emotionally insecure, but you know physically she. This could this could be spurred out of um, fear because she she's afraid of what would happen if you know anybody can take anything from her. You know what happens if Supergirl go, goes rogue, kind of like the whole Batman versus Superman um, movie. You know what what happens if 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 Superman had gone rogue, who was going to be there to stop him? So Lena could have that same mindset if Supergirl or these aliens go rogue. Who's going to be there to stop them? We need something to kind of level the playing field if they ever get out of line or get get out of hand. Oh, yeah. And uh, she even says, like, you can lift as many weights as you want to, but you're never going to be as powerful or, or as strong as Supergirl. So uh, I definitely think she does have maybe a little insecurity about herself, but maybe more insecurity about humanity Right. that she is, is sticking up for humans as a whole. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think this puts Lena in a very... Um, uh, gray area because she has been sticking up for the aliens. She has been speaking out against the Children of Liberty, but she also does seem to be sticking up for humans at this point. So, um, the 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 di- the different shades of her character right now are, are very intriguing to me. Right. Well, since we sort of mentioned Ben Lockwood and his his association with the Children of Liberty, uh, there was a big. Uh, situation in this episode where Kara has to fill in for James as uh, he was supposed to go and debate Ben Lockwood on uh, a nationally recognized TV show about the humans and aliens situation, but uh, he decides he's going to go and investigate the Children of Liberty, so Kara steps in. Uh, so, Mike, what did you think about Kara debating Ben Lockwood on this topic? Um, I think it was very risky. And I'm wondering if it could come back to um, to hurt her and to harm her in some way because all, all your it was interesting to see that and and I and I believe I may have put this in in another section here um, but Ben Lockwood is very manipulative and very crafty. He reminds me of a um, DeVoe from The Flash, like he's already got the pawns moved around to where he wants the pawns. And he knew James was not going to come to that debate. And he knew he was going to get somebody else. But as far as Kara debating him, I think, it was, I think it was very risky because just for some reason, let's say that her her identity gets put out there by the end of the season. Kind of like we know how Oliver Queens got put out about being the Green Arrow. Let's just say somehow Kara's identity gets put out there that she is Supergirl. They're going to point to this debate... And say, well, that's not right because you're debating an alien versus versus a human. But I think it was risky for Kara. I think it was very risky. Um, I think it was risky for Catco because I think she was very nervous. She was unsure on a couple things. I think she ended it great when she talked about Thanksgiving. Um, and then Ben kind of interrupted and said, "Let me, well, let me, let, let, let me say this." And he and he made. I don't want to sound like a. Uh, a, a hate speech enthusiast here. Um, he made a valid point at the end, though. 
he said, what's going to happen? You know, when we come in and we had our first Thanksgiving meal with the um, Wampanoag Indians and then our nation went back and then slaughtered them after that, who's going to say that that could not happen again if we continue to allow these aliens to come into our world and come to Earth? Who's going to say 100 years from now they're not going to slaughter us and tell the same wonderful holiday story that they've got? So he kind of put people on their toes. I'm not saying I agree with his his ideal um, but I think he, he made a valid point against Kara, and you saw that she had no answer to that. Um, because aliens do come. We saw last year when the aliens came that it destroyed multiple things. It destroyed multiple homes, multiple properties. It, it, it caused destruction. It seems like whenever a superhero steps up, um, villain aliens always show up after that. But I thought it was a good debate. I wish there was... I like those kind of scenes. I wish there was more than just the three or four minutes that we got. I wish it was a longer segment in that in the show with a debate. Yeah, they could have even, you know, made the entire episode, you know, the debate and gone in and out of the ba- the debate if they wanted to. Uh, I can see why they cut it short just for time, but you, I mean, you could have written that whole episode just <laughs> just about that that debate between the two of them. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. He made a valid point based on America's own history and, and learning from those mistakes uh, and just asking questions. You know, what if that could happen? Um, so I, I do think that you're right that he did come into that debate a little more prepared than Kara was. Now, Kara, to her credit, she didn't have a lot of time. She was being prepped by a uh, a coworker who kept falling asleep on her. So <laughs> she she didn't have... A lot of prep time. If you go into a debate like that, you want to know what your opponent's going to say. And I think Kara, to your point, um, she was basically just uh, supporting the aliens and not listening to the other side. And that is a little biased coming from her because she herself is an alien. Right. So she does have a little bias just as much as Ben Lockwood has his own bias. So um, there is there is something to that that they, you know, if you did find out, because, I mean, somebody could find out Kara's identity uh, being Supergirl, that could reflect poorly on her later if people find out, like, President Marsden, that she's lied to the entire country. So uh, that that is risky. I will give you that. Um, so I, I, I did think that Ben Lockwood was a little more prepared and for him, it probably came very easy for him because he was a history professor and he knew all of that stuff. So, um, that, that, I think he had a little bit of an edge on Kara in the, uh, the prep for that debate. And I don't know how much better James would have done if James had gone, uh, he definitely would have looked great in that suit that Lena had gotten him. <laughs> but I don't know if he would have had any any better points than Kara raised. Um, I thought it was pretty uh, fairly balanced in terms of the discussion and what they were talking about. Um, so they did have a counterpoint on the counterpoint daily. So I did appreciate that. So um, I, I'm j- I just hope that it gives Kara something to think about in order to how to to move forward with her interactions with the Children of Liberty and uh, Agent Liberty whenever she actually meets him. Well, she did meet him, right. but she didn't know that she had met him. Uh, so I hope I hope that she'll learn something from that experience and, and take that with her. I think James probably because he would he had just he had just got done probably having a he just got done having that scene with 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 Lena and the and the heavy emotional scene. I feel like if he had come onto that. 
debate with Ben Lockwood, I feel like his emotions would have overrode um, reasoning and, and, and logic and thinking. And they would have definitely hindered or, or hurt his, his answers in that scene. And I think that that would have destroyed him even more in front of the media than, than, than just putting it to the side. I don't think this is the last time we're going to see Kara and, um, and Ben debate because we do know he got that call at the end of the episode where they want to offer him his own show. So I do can I can see more debates coming up on this show. Yeah, that's a really good point about James. He if he had come right after his uh, situation with Lena, he would have been uh, he would not have been calm and collected. No, I think he would have been a little more fired up, and that would not have reflected well on that side of the argument. So maybe maybe it's best for you know uh, uh, for Kara to have stepped in for him uh, with a little uh, calmer, cooler. Uh, air about her. The only thing that I was kind of like, ugh, Kara, what are you doing? Um, there, There's a moment when she and Nia are kind of uh, collecting themselves in the green room before she goes out on, on air, and uh, Nia's trying to help her, you know, uh, practice before the event, and she says, as a reporter for CatCo, what role do you think the media should play in the rising a- anti-alien sentiment? And Kara goes on this whole thing about the goal of the media is to ensure that every voice is heard. Ignorance breeds fear so that the more uh, factual, dynamic news stories we write, um, including about the aliens, and then she's kind of cut off. And I just was like, oh, Kara, no, that's a bad answer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because uh, in my opinion, and I I had worked in the the news media for a few years um, before it was so stressful I had to quit. Um, but, uh, the goal of the media is just to tell the truth and report the facts. That's the goal of the media, in my opinion. Um, so it should not be about making everyone's voice heard. Maybe editorials are good to make voices heard, but as a reporter, as a news journalist, your job is to report the facts and to tell the truth. So I was like, (laughs) I really, I don't, I disagree with you very strongly on this. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's something, I guess, that she's taken away from her experiences as a reporter. So uh, maybe she learned that from Snapper Car. I don't know. And I think her, if that answer had come up, I think that answer would have been ignorant in its own mind because she had talked about, um, not being ignorant and letting every voice be heard, whether alien or not, but yet she was defending, um, the aliens in her answer while saying we have to listen to everything. So I think there would have been something that, she would have been defending a certain faction or a certain group of people instead of giving that voice to everybody and listening to the other side. And her editorials and her writings throughout the seasons have been toward um, toward alien alien sentiment, toward alien sympathy and, and empathizing with them and, and feeling them. So I feel like to, to say to let every voice be heard would have kind of been almost an oxymoron what she had already been writing in her article she had already been publishing so i think i think that answer itself would have hurt her it's a little one-sided on Kara's part now granted ben lockwood is the same way uh but i don't know it's tough because ben lockwood stuck up for the the alien initially when he went to the steel factory before he was injured and uh before all that stuff started you know rolling down and, and building and building and building um, so, so I think he, he at one point was defending the aliens until tragedy befell him. Uh, but 
I, I don't know. Kara seems to stick up for the aliens a lot, but she's also spent time on Earth and she's defended humanity. So I think they're both kind of balanced, but in this particular uh, debate, uh, they're very, um, bi- very biased to their own side and not really listening. They're talking to each other, which is something that Supergirl uh, wanted people to do this season, but I don't know if they're listening and communicating in that way. So, um, I just, I just took from this debate with Kara. I just, I was like, I hope you learned something from this. Uh, so, but kudos to her. I mean, that would have been really nerve wracking, and I, I would have been feeling a- inadequate if I had stepped in for James. So, kudos to Kara. She went in there. She made good points. She argued her her side, her position, uh, even though maybe it didn't go the way she had planned. She she stepped up to the plate. So, uh, I appreciate her for that. Um, well, Mike, is there anything else uh, you wanted to bring up before we uh, wrap up our discussion? No, I thought it was a very good um, episode. I, I've had my little issues with this, um, with this, with the, with the season for a few few reasons, but I thought this was a very good episode, a very strong episode, um, a very emotional episode um, on multiple fronts. Whether you have Carl and Ben or Lena and James, um, but look, any t- just give me some more Brainy. <laughs> we uh we, we we addressed our last podcast listen we need to have a drunk brainy scene on every episode <laughs> of sue supergirl somehow and uh but brainy has been um and something that's kind of odd is i liked when on the show um but brainy has i don't want to say it has not made me miss when but you almost forget that Wynn was even there since since you since we've had Brainy. So I I, I I enjoy him anytime he's on a scene. He's playing that character perfectly. Um, the, I don't think this was more. Uh, some episodes the last couple weeks for the other DC shows have felt like more like not only say transition episodes, um, but they have felt like we're moving the pawns into place. This one felt like they were moving them, but they were also giving you a little bit more than what you were expecting or asking. So I thought this episode was very good. Um, it's very interesting. I can't wait to see what happens next week on this show. Yeah, how about that brainy fight scene using physics? I know. That was pretty that was pretty <laughs> awesome. I tried to find what music that was, and if anybody knows that's listening, um, please email supergirlradio at gmail.com because I could not find it. I tried to Shazam it. I tried Tune Find. I even went to a Reddit page. So somebody please help Rebecca out. Uh, if you know what piece of music that was, because I could not identify it. Um, but I, I did enjoy Brainy in this episode. And uh, now we know he's a sweet potato pie guy. Yeah. Uh, a couple episode, uh, a couple episodes ago, uh, Donna and I, my guest Donna and I tried to guess what kind of pie Brainy might be into. We did not guess sweet potato pie. So now now we have that answer. So, um, it's, it's funny, on Supergirl, most characters on the show have a pie preference. Kara has a favorite pie. Uh, Alex has a favorite pie. Jean has a pie. Like, they're all about pies. So uh, th- this is something that we know about the, the cast of Supergirl. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I actually really enjoyed this episode. This might be the first episode this season where I was entertained enough that I really wanted to rewatch the episode. The the other episodes of the season, I've I've been and I this has been documented on the podcast that I have struggled with this season a lot because of the topical nature yeah. of the uh the storyline and how uh, I I I don't like the heavy-handedness 
And so it sometimes it, it really bothers me, like even the use of Twilight's last gleaming in the this you know hateful manifesto from the Children of Liberty. And it, it didn't it didn't sit well with me because that's something you know I'm I'm a pretty patriotic American. So if you if you put something like that and and pervert it and twist it and make it into something evil, it kind of makes my stomach churn a little bit, uh, just because that's such an important thing in the history of America and. You know, I've I've gone and I've actually seen the actual Star Spangled Banner. Did you know there is an actual that we have the Star Spangled Banner in D.C. It's on display. You can't take a, a picture with a, a flash on it, though. Don't do that because I definitely got fussed at for doing that. So don't <laughs> do it. Um, but it's so cool to see that we actually have that flag still. So um, I just I, that sometimes that bothers me when things like that are perverted and twisted on the show. So, so sometimes I do have an issue with that. But this episode, I enjoyed most of the things that the characters were doing. I thought the storyline was intriguing enough to keep me interested. I thought some of the acting was really well done. And then, you know, Supergirl fought and befriended a dragon. So yeah. that uh, that is pretty awesome. I tried to avoid that topic. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a big dragon fan. I love Maleficent. Uh, I used to love Pete's dragon when I was a kid. Um, there's a little dragon from Disney World called Figment uh, that I love a lot. So I'm actually a pretty big dragon person uh i'm not as much of a lord of the rings fan but i really appreciate smaug uh so uh dragons are uh something that i really enjoy um although to the children of liberty's point um i don't know that it's helping the alien cause to know that there are aliens who can turn into fire breathing dragons no it's not it's awesome it's very cool to see supergirl you know petting a dragon but I don't know that that's uh, making your case when you're trying to point out that aliens are not dangerous. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how that's going to go down because uh, the DEO at the end of the episode seemed a little more concerned about the Children of Liberty than the fact that there was a fire-breathing dragon in the city. Uh, so <laughs> that that did seem to me to be a little bit more of a concern. Even though Spike was really cute, he seemed to be almost like a he almost seemed to be like a pet dog who's protecting his owner. That's it's great. But uh, Spike is also a fire, fire breathing dragon. Let's not kid ourselves here. Well, I think, and to kind of go along the lines with that too, I can almost see that that was not just the agent of liberty was wanting to get rid of. Um, the aliens, but I think they were using that the initial push in this one where they were marking him to get them out in the open to see what kind of powers they could display mm. to use that against them um, in the media. Just to kind of see, see, this is what we're talking about. These, do you want this person or this one that can turn to a dragon living right next door to you? Do you want, you know, and so it, I think they were using it as well for, for, for media, not not just to get them out, but they, they wanted to show people what these other guys could do. Well, don't you know that's probably going to be the first episode of Ben Lockwood's new show, is let's talk about this fire-breathing dragon that uh, flew around National City. Uh, that is a, that's a really, really great point. Um, so even though I've... Uh, it's it's weird because I've, I've had uh, problems this season because I feel like it's too on the nose. And sometimes I think maybe I'm being too hard on the show. Maybe I'm being too hard on the writers. And then in this episode, uh, it shows that Cara Danvers lives on Hope Street. And I was like, you know what? They are a little too on the nose. 
They're still too on the nose to, to have Supergirl live on Hope Street. It's just too on the nose, people. Let's have a little little subtlety about this stuff. Uh, so I, um, I, I did enjoy this episode. There were some things that I wasn't crazy about, but there were a lot more things that I, I found uh, entertaining enough to to want to rewatch, and that. That's kind of a first, I'll be honest. I I've I haven't really wanted to rewatch the other episodes of this season as much. So uh this one was one that I I I found myself compelled to rewatch and excited to rewatch. So that is something uh, good to say about the episode. I, I'm not big into a, a a in your face the whole episode or a whole season is dealing politically. With things, uh, I, I kind of wish you'd throw some entertainment in there with it. Um, I, I just I feel like they're just shoving a ton at you at once. Um, but yeah, I, I actually agree with you. I do feel like sometimes they just kind of hit it hit it on the nose. I will say though, I've enjoyed this season um, more than I've enjoyed last season. So I, I I will give this that, and and I agree. This episode would be one I would love to go back and watch again. I would have to go back and watch the Ben Lockwood his formation episode too. Um, his backstory episode. I, I've enjoyed those two episodes. I struggled last year um, with the whole rain arc. Um, I thought it was good, but I felt it was too long. Um, but I did enjoy the the Ben Lockwood episode this season and this episode. So two two out of four or two out of six for me is not bad uh, for for the season. It made me want to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, it's a, it's a different tone and a different uh, change of pace this season. Um, but for me, it was very refreshing. You know to. To throw a, throw a dragon in there, yeah. you know why not? So, um, so that that was actually pretty refreshing for me with all the the heavy weighty material that's been going on. It was nice to see something goofy like Supergirl fighting a dragon. So uh, that that made me pretty happy. Well, um, I think that's gonna wrap it up for our discussion. But let's uh, find out what our listeners had to say about Call to Action. So at SS20 Big Tasty said, Manchester Black is now my new favorite character. DC's British Punisher. I want more. <laughs> at A- Aqua Animus uh, said, Brainy Scenes won the prize, the internet, and my heart. 12th level amazeballs. At Kenny Crayley said, Best episode of season four so far, and the flying shots of Melissa Benoist were so cool. At KVidiCat53 said, I'm worried we are seeing Alina start to turn. Uh, starting to turn to the dark side. The row with James, though I could see both sides, those creepy hearts, <laughs> they were a little creepy. Uh, at Kitty, at KVidiCat53 continues, okay, she's trying to cure cancer, but ew. I think it's possible a Kara is Supergirl reveal might actually happen and be what pushes her over the edge. At Petty Mellow 20 said, it was Thanksgiving and nobody... Uh, including Alex, didn't even mention Jeremiah? Seriously, where is he? Lena and James are so bad for each other, it's getting annoying. Human trials mean that they are pushing Lena to the edge of the gray area, and I do not know how to feel. I might cry. Well, Patty Mello 20, don't cry. It's going to be okay. Uh, but I agree that it was weird that nobody in the Danvers family uh, missed Jeremiah and wished he had been there. That's kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, maybe you remember your father on Thanksgiving. Just uh, just putting that out there. Um, at Good Girl Gone Gay said, I have one word for you, dragon, and then four dragon emojis. 
Uh, I agree. Uh, I'll just say I agree. Uh, At about Supergirl said, Lames, Lena and James is finally coming to an end. Hallelujah. That's all I got to say. Hashtag in Lames. So there are some people who don't like the pairing and this is uh, uh, this is uh, good for them. Uh, I could go either way, uh, but I really just want to see some good acting. Right. So as as much as they want to fight, go for it. I hope their breakup scene is going to be amazing. Oh yes, let's let if they have to break break up, just go all out. Make make it great. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, at L L Knight twenty said hashtag Lena deserves better writing. James deserved better plots. Everything else can stay with the rest of the cast. Oh, and Sam Whitworth could have been the Luther we deserved, but nope, he's a xenophobic, racist, anti-alien poster boy for a white terror group that gets an episode to himself. Mm. Well, okay, so here's the thing about this tweet. I'm not sure. I've seen this a little bit on the internet about people being upset that Ben Lockwood had an episode, uh, you know, like a, a centric episode on himself, which I kind of don't see any problem with uh, because he's he's the big bad of the season. We kind of need to know his motivations. Um, and that episode was probably, I think it was one of the earlier episodes that got shot when they started uh, back up for this season. And Melissa Benoist was still in New York on Broadway. So they needed somebody to kind of carry an episode. So it would make sense that they uh, used him to do that. And also... I wish Supergirl did more of that. The Supergirl, the show, actually did more of that, where they had character-centric episodes that were just about Brainy or just about Alex or, you know, something like that. I wish they did more of that. So I don't see any problem with that. And uh, the funny thing about the the use of anti-alien poster boy is that I think Lex Luthor is uh, maybe could qualify for an anti-alien poster boy. He's not a huge fan of aliens, no matter which uh, incarnation uh, you pull from, <laughs> he would definitely he would definitely be a poster boy for for that. So, uh, uh, thanks for that tweet, though. Um, I, I I agree with you. Um, I really agree on the brainy, uh, brainy centric episode. Uh, I don't know if you were a Lost watcher. Lost the the TV show about the Magic Island. Yeah, it's probably my favorite TV show of all time. Thank you. I have. So, if yes. you want to talk about Lost, let's do it. Oh boy, here we go. We could probably go another hour or two on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, I loved how they had some episodes where they kind of, where everything was going on on one side, on, on, not on one side of the island, but everything was going on with the main group. And then you had, you went back and they did like the Nikki and Paulo episode where you, while everything else was going on, you had this little story arc that was going on that nobody ever knew about for, you know, two or three seasons. And that's, that's kind of, those are the kind of shows that I like that do that. I can see that. So like when everything else is going on, a day in the life of Brainy <laughs> and just go through his, his, his getting up routine to his ending. Um, but no, I, I, I'm down with some character centric episodes. I do feel that this episode with Ben Lockwood episode was necessary. I think it was necessary to ground him. Um, and I'm going to kind of make up a word, but also to humanify the to to to, to humanify the villain, <laughs> um, to to make to give him a reason for why he did certain things, to give him a reason as to it makes him human. I, he was an average American who was destroyed by the system and lost it all. Now he still had his family, and he had, and and I get that, but he lost his dad to the to to the aliens. He lost. Um, he lost his job. Now that that partly that was his fault because he he didn't teach the curriculum he taught his own um his own manifesto but he had everything but then aliens came and it ended up destroying his life and destroying everything and he just he wanted somebody to be responsible 
for what what was going on, and then somebody gave him that platform to be responsible, or 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 to give a response, to give him to give him a voice out there, and he took it and he completely went off with it. So I, I, I do, I like that episode because it shows you the backstory of that guy, how he came to be. So he did understand the alien sentiment. He, he, he did under, now could they have built a factory with the alien metal somewhere else? Probably not right next door to a, to that probably wasn't the greatest idea, uh, kind of mean idea, but I, I get it. But I like that episode. Um, but I do agree that Lex Luthor, would be more of an anti-alien poster boy than Ben Lockwood would be. Yeah, Lex Luthor is basically the anti-alien poster boy in DC Comics. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I totally agree with your point about Lost, and I think that's why I crave those kinds of episodes, because they're so well done on Lost. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you've not watched Lost, you need to do it. Yes. You will not regret it. Don't listen to what those people say about the series finale. It's actually really great. Yes. Don't listen to those people. Um, I disagreements are welcomed, but you're wrong. Yes. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I do think Lost did a really good job of that because they would have a centric episode like on Jack, but that Jack story would somehow come back and play a part on what was going on the island, even though you were seeing what was happening to Jack off the island. It all fit together and it all made sense and it made for a a a, a better. Um, uh, maybe a more cohesive episode because all the themes connected and everything was, you know, um, revolving around a, a certain uh, topic or character or location or whatever it was. Um, so I would welcome more of that. They they do it a little bit on Supergirl. We we saw some stuff with the uh, the the Martians in one episode. We went to Midvale for a character centric background uh, background episode with the Danver sisters. So they do it occasionally, but. I, I would welcome more of it because I think sometimes that really that's necessary to to learn and care more about these characters. Well, uh, let's uh, keep going with the tweets. So at SL Fricky said, policy aside, I like that the colonel is someone who is trying to make the Danvers act like DEO agents and have some professional etiquette and discipline and not just do whatever they want when they want. The DEO is not CatCo, even if they work with and hire a lot of those peeps. Uh, that's a really great point. Uh, Colonel Haley is only just making them do their jobs uh, and trying to keep within the boundaries of that job. And understand that she that that Alex would have been court-martialed. I mean, there there is no way around it. If she had disobeyed, even if it was for the betterment, she would have been court-martialed. Uh, for for what she had done, so it's kind of interesting that both people disobeyed their boss, but are still in their positions of leadership. Yeah, Colonel Haley is being very patient with them right now. Yes. So uh, we'll we'll see if that uh, uh, stays uh, stays the case throughout the season. Well, at Madtown, Davidson said the Children of Liberty are so boring that the writers had to make up a reason for Supergirl <laughs> to fight a dragon to make this episode interesting. I'm officially worried about this season. I get they're trying to address real-world issues, but this is so heavy-handed and dull. And uh, our last tweet comes from at VH451, who says, I'm, I'm, I know I'm mixing podcasts, but I can't resist. Bebo moment goes to Carr versus Spike the Dragon. 
Brainy fighting off the Children of Liberty with his Matrix moves was pretty cool. And uh, at VH451 says, Happy Thanksgiving. Well, Happy Thanksgiving to you. Yes. Um, so this is this is the week that Americans eat lots of turkey and uh, sit around and watch football and uh, tell people what they're thankful for. So I uh, hope everyone who celebrates it enjoys their holiday. Well, uh, let's get to some emails. So we have some questions from Leslie who writes, quote, was the Children of Liberty's attack on alien homes supposed to make us remember historically what the Nazis did to Germany on Kristallnacht in November 1938? Also, when Nia gave Carr a pep talk and encouragement, was Nia using one of her powers, unquote? Um, yeah, Leslie, I mean, it's very possible that they um, wanted to make that seem like a Kristallnacht. Um, I, I think there... Um, Crystal knocked when I was trying to do some research on that. Uh, it was a lot of uh, busted homes and broken windows and things like that. So I don't think the show went as far as what that historical event was because, I mean, that is devastating um, what happened historically. Um, so they didn't go as far as that. But I think it is maybe maybe trying to uh, sort of give that feeling uh, to it a little bit. Um, and in terms of Nia using her powers uh, when she gave uh, Carr the pep talk about, oh, did, you look amazing. Did you get highlights? That was like my favorite line of the episode. I don't know why it made me laugh so much. I think it was just, <laughs> it was so random. She's like, oh, your hair looks amazing. Did you get highlights? Um, so anytime you need to encourage somebody, just talk about how amazing their hair looks. Um <laughs> I it, I think it's possible that she used her powers in that scene. She was asleep. She kind of dozed off and then woke up before she talked to her. So it is very possible. But I am the person who, when watching the episode, uh, thought that something would come of the fact that Nia woke up and, and said, chocolate-covered espresso beans. I thought that would mean something. And then it didn't. Um, so who knows what she's doing with her, uh, <laughs> her, her naps and her dreams. I mean, I... I knew she's the she's supposedly the ancestor of Neuronal, and and I know Neuronal in in the comics. I don't know a lot, but I do. Ha- I have been reading a lot of DC Universe since they've had the, all those comics on there. Um, I know she's she she does happen to have narcolepsy when she does fall asleep, and she does become and she she kind of gets a vision. So I'm wondering if that's one reason why she's so why Nia is so tired. Um, maybe she doesn't realize she's having a vision, and thus she expressed she expressed out chocolate covered espresso beans. Maybe she saw something going on at a coffee shop or or something like that that had something to do with you know, hey, why not jitters? And maybe maybe something's going on at jitters on another Earth. I'm gonna be really <laughs> upset if chocolate covered espresso beans does not come back into play uh, at the end of the season. I'm gonna be really upset about it because I feel like that should happen. Maybe that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that she and Brainy first met at that pizza place and she was supposedly going in to get coffee from the pizza place, which made no sense. And I think she was she maybe was using her her vision or whatever to to see that Brainy was going to be in trouble at that point. I don't know. I don't know if that's a throwback to that first scene, but I was like, come on, if you're going to throw that out there, make it make it mean something. Right. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, what, what she's doing more with uh, her powers. Well, uh, Danielle also has a few questions. Uh, number one, we see Nia tell James and Carr that she suffers from narcolepsy, but she is hesitant to see someone when Eliza recommends a doctor for her. Do you think Nia already knows what she uh, that she has powers or at the very least has some sort of inkling that her dreams are off in a way? 
so uh, what do you think about that question, Mike? Uh, do you think that Nia knows that she has some sort of precognition ability, or is she just have, having dreams when she falls asleep at work? Uh, I, I think I think she's got that narcolepsy. I think it's connected to her to her abilities, whether she knows it or not. I think she. I think she sees, she kind of sees visions in her mind when she, when she falls asleep, kind of how, how Nora did. Um, but I think, I don't think she fully, she's fully aware of it yet. And I think because she, she gets these visions, she's not sure if they're real or not. And she's probably discovering them on her own. You know, we could get a character centric episode too later on this season that, that deals with those chocolate covered espresso beans. Maybe you're right too. Maybe she did get that vision of brainy. Somebody like brainy was going to be in trouble. So she needed to go. So at night she, she's not sleeping. Maybe she is getting visions and she doesn't want to see a doctor because she doesn't know how to describe to the doctor. I, I, I see things happening and they happen. And, and I don't, and, and I, it kind of scares her. So I, I do think she's, I don't know. I think it could go either way. I think she is lying because maybe she thinks something is up, but I don't think she fully knows yet what's, what's going on with her. I'm with you. I, I think that the fact that Nia is lying to people is a sign that she knows something's going on with her. That's more than just her falling asleep at work. Uh, I don't know if at this point she knows what is going on. I don't know if she knows that she has abilities or I don't even know if she knows that she's seen visions that have made her go and do something about them. I don't know. It's very hard to tell at this point. Uh, But it does seem like she doesn't want anyone to know what's going on with her. And it's probably because it does scare her a little bit and she doesn't know what to do about it. Uh, So I do think, I do think that there, she knows something is going on. I think that is a a surefire way uh, to put that. Well, uh, Danielle also asks, uh, we got quite a bit of Manchester Black in this episode and I love him, but what stood out to me was this, was his conversation with Jean about his telepathy. And I know that Manchester does have telepathy in the comics, thanks to your character spotlight on him. Uh, this got me thinking that maybe he will acquire some form of this power in the near future. So what do you think? Um, yeah, so in this episode, uh, Manchester was linked to dialogue about mind reading and telepathy. So it does seem like they're setting something up for him. Uh, I'm hoping that's to introduce the fact that he is going to get his ability at some point. Uh, Manchester says to Petrocelli, he says, if only I could see into this big, ugly head of yours. And then uh, later, Manchester asks Jean if he would use his mind reading power to stop violence. And Jean says, you know, mind reading is a type of violence if done uh, without consent. So there is a lot of telepathy talk with Manchester Black. So I would not be surprised if we actually see him with abilities by the end of the season. Yeah, I I agree. I think I think we will. And I can also see Jean kind of um, playing a, a father role to him, like his father did, um, and kind of help teach him how to how to control that mind power and that and that and that telepathy ability. I could see him kind of trying to teach him, you know, this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. This is, you know, kind of. Um, I remember when when Jean and his father were he was receiving all the the history of their people from him. He he kept telling Jean, you got to focus, focus. You know, kind of, you know, it's going to be painful. It's gonna it's gonna hurt. That kind of thing. I could see it being with Manchester Black being very painful at first and not know how to um, how to really how to really control it. Um, I again I go back to Man of Steel 
or is it Batman v Superman where you have the scene where Clark runs and hides in the closet at school? Yeah, that's Man of Steel. Okay. And one of the greatest Superman movies um, of all time. I agree. <laughs> but uh, but he's hiding in a closet because he can't control because he's hearing so much. And maybe that's what happens with Manchester. He He's almost going out of his mind and he can't control it until Jean shows up and kind of gets him to focus and to, and to rezone it back in. So I do see him getting his powers by the end of the season. I can see John kind of as a father figure to him, kind of helping him um, along with with his powers. He's gonna he's gonna develop. Yeah, we've we've seen a, a couple of pairings of characters mentoring someone else, Kara with Nia, um, even Nia with James a little bit, uh, Alex Alex and Brainy. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did a, a John. Uh, mentoring storyline with uh, Manchester Black, but I could also see Manchester Black getting power. We did sort of talk about this earlier where power can corrupt and uh, Manchester goes out of control and Jean has to fight him. So I could see that playing out as well. So uh, I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they do with Manchester Black. Uh, well, Danielle's last question uh, uh, is about this. She says, uh, Lena being science Lena is one of the best Lenas. I agree. And she did a lot of science with Eve and the Heronel. After the horrible business with James, we see Lena start to move to human trials. Do you think she's going to test this on herself? We all know her stance on humans having powers and leveling the playing field, as it were. And this just screams Lex to me. So what do you think? Uh, so uh, I I personally think that, you know, Lena, it, it's going to be hard probably for her to find a human test subject. Maybe she's got them lined up. I don't know. Uh, but a lot of scientists in the real world, from what I understand, do test things on themselves just to try it out at first. So I don't see, uh, I could, I could see it from Lena if, if she wanted to do that. Hey, miss, miss test mockers right there. Oh, Lean. that now see, that would be really devious if she was like, Eve, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to get down on that table. I'm going to do an experiment on you. <laughs> but but she has to yell it in the in, in, in the in the proper Lex tone from from the 70s. Mr. Smucker. <laughs> yes. Um yeah, I do I do think that uh I don't know, this Eve Eve is really sweet and she seems very dedicated to the sciencey stuff with Lena, but I just hope that she does not get <laughs> manipulated <laughs> into being a human experiment. Uh so that could that could happen. Though. I could see it being used on her. Uh, uh, not 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 Eve, miss, not Eve, but um, but I could see Lena doing it to herself to level the playing field. Oh yeah, I I think uh, Lena might like some power. Gina sent us some thoughts um, about Kara's secret identity, writing, um, "I wondered how great an idea it was to go on TV as Kara. It's one thing to be a reporter; it's a whole other thing to be on TV. If you don't want more and more people putting pieces together and making comparisons, that it probably wasn't a great idea. Honestly." And it has been said on the show before by James, the reason Kara and Supergirl guys works is because no one really notices Kara, especially outside of Catco. Some people, so people unable to connect a nobody to being Supergirl seemed to make sense. Um, good, good thought. Yeah, I, I question this myself. Uh, I, I don't uh, know why she goes on these. Well, I mean, Supergirl's been on TV a couple of times. She's made those grand speeches about hope and inspiring people. Um, but I don't know. Now that Kara's been on TV, 
somebody could take screenshots of those things and compare them and be like, hey, this car girl looks like Supergirl. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's a, a super great idea. Well, if she can get away from, um, from, from Lena after sneezing and then catching bullets and throwing them, and then she's constantly trying to get away, I'm pretty sure her identity on camera is safe because I kept thinking that episode, how in the world is Lena not picking this up? How does she not know? I don't know. She's trying to cure cancer, and she made an in- invulnerable heart, and she can't tell that Kara is Supergirl. It's <laughs> nonsensical. Uh, well, uh, Abby sent us an email with some thoughts on Alex and James, writing, quote, While I thought this was another strong episode this season, I couldn't help but be frustrated by the parallels of two of the storylines. First, you have Alex, once again, disobeying disobeying orders from her superior officer, Colonel Haley, by continuing her investigation into the Children of Liberty. Second, you have James disobeying orders from his boss, Alina, by not doing the roundtable. Both are going behind their boss's back, but yet one is being portrayed more acceptable to viewers. On that note, Alex said, quote, he, as in Brainy, is going to get me fired, uh, unquote, while it would actually be Alex getting herself fired for her own actions, i.e., as Colonel Haley mentioning, uh, mentioned talking a little bit, uh, talking about a little bit of rope and hanging herself. Do you think James is going to get a chair in the end as well? Unquote. Well, Abby, I think that's a great, uh, observation to point out that they, they sort of have parallel storylines going on that they're, uh, going against their orders and, uh, disobeying their superiors. Uh, yeah, I don't know about James. I think that goes back to our, our, um, discussion about, you know, what are the consequences of him going into the Children of Liberty, uh, at the very least, with Alex, she might lose her job. If she can be court-martialed, she might do that. I, I still don't understand how DEO agents have to salute military personnel, but that's above me. Um, but uh, James is doing something a little more dangerous. He's putting him, himself and his life on the line. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see what, what happens with him. I don't think he's going to get a chair like um, like Alex did. I think I think he's going to... I think some. I think something's going to happen at the end of the season. Um, we 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 do know that on Arrow and Flash, both Arrow and both um, Flash and Arrow have both been put in prison before. Um, I'm wondering if they could find, kind of be following that trend with the CW shows, where somebody, one of the good guys, next season is going to be put in prison. And could that be James for some reason? Well, he did almost get indicted for being Guardian, so. Uh, something could happen. Uh, well, New Rachel wanted to share some thoughts about Brainy, writing, quote, I really enjoyed that Brainy came to Thanksgiving dinner and brought flowers for Kara. And that line about his mother was very interesting and may point at his backstory in this universe, uh, possibly even with his mom being Brainiac 4 and having abandoned him when he was very young, similar to how she was in the comics, unquote. And since I'm not an expert, I think we should uh, toss this to an expert uh so we have a voicemail from wendy aka at cara underscore quarrel who called in with some thoughts about brainy's mother hi everybody this is at cara underscore quarrel i'm calling uh in to talk about brainiac 5's mother that we heard mentioned this week now if everybody remembers from uh the podcast about brainiac 5 i talked a bit about Brainiac 5's psychopath mother, um, but uh, uh, she is quite an interesting character. She spent time as a gambler and a superhero and a beggar and the leader of the Dark Circle, which is a shadowy criminal organization. Um, 
but mostly she got a kick stuff of uh, torturing uh, Quarrel and Sabrina, uh, and uh, uh, so she is not exactly uh, uh, an example of motherhood to be held up. So, <laughs> so I was I was uh, glad to see that little nod to the Legion in the show, and hopefully this means at some point we'll get flashbacks to Brainiac Five's childhood. Um, Thanks, uh, and uh, long live the Legion. We also have an email from Candace who wrote in to say, quote, It took me a while to get caught up in the season. I watched the first two episodes soon after they aired, but I couldn't bring myself to watch the others until last Friday. I guess it was because the content in the season is too close to reality with people being filled, uh, being so filled with hate. After watching the beginning of the season, I felt so down and uneasy while watching, unquote. And I can definitely understand uh, that feeling, Candace. This season has been very difficult for me to watch uh, for a various number of reasons. Uh, so I can understand why you would feel like that because it has been difficult. It's been very heavy in terms of the content and the material and, and what they've been trying to say. Um, but I thought this episode, great change of pace, um, a very rewatchable. Uh, so hopefully uh, there will be more episodes like that on down the road. And uh, we had to have an email from Alex who writes, I like the correlation the writers are making between Ben Lockwood and Manchester Black. Both are, were basically good men who suffered a devastating loss when someone they loved was violently killed. Both Lockwood and Manchester are now taking extreme, incredibly extremist paths to take revenge on the people they blame for their loss. The show is doing a good job of demonstrating how hate and anger can turn anyone, even friends and allies of Supergirl and Jean, into monsters capable of anything. Yeah, that's a really great point because when I saw Manchester Black was torturing somebody, uh, I thought, you know, how is this any different than what Agent Liberty was doing? He was torturing people, too. Uh, So I think there are some good parallels that are going on with some of these characters this season. So even though I have a problem with some of the Sesame Street-like nature of having (laughs) a theme of the episode or having things be too on the nose, they don't really know what a metaphor is on Supergirl. Um, So even though I have some issues with that, I think they have been doing a really good job with uh, paralleling storylines between characters and uh, sort of making those uh, balanced in terms of seeing maybe a character who you thought was good maybe be bad or uh, a bad character you know you get to see why maybe they started off as a good character so they they have been doing a good job with the characters this season well uh daryl wrote in with some thoughts about the deo writing quote in last week's episode description it said that colonel haley makes a surprising decision regarding supergirl which we were very confused about because that did not happen in the episode uh, but Daryl continues, uh, well, we didn't see it mentioned, but maybe it was that Kara has to stick strictly to DEO business, given how upset she was this week. Kara doesn't technically work for the DEO, so why does Colonel Haley think she is giving Kara orders like she's on the payroll? I'm still confused about whether she is or isn't, unquote. Uh, I am as well. I sort of thought that she was getting a paycheck from the DEO uh, because there were, yeah. there were whole episodes last season where I don't even think she showed up to CatCo. So I was like, how is she paying for that really uh, nice apartment when she doesn't seem to be going to work. Maybe she's just uh, earning her money through the DO. And all those pot stickers. <laughs> all those pot stickers <laughs> and pizzas they get. Uh, so I just assumed she was getting a paycheck from the DO. Surely they would pay her for, for all of her work and putting her life on the line. 
Um, but we do. I don't think we know. I don't think the show's made that very clear. And uh, Daryl, in terms of uh, you pointing out the, th- the whole thing about Colonel Haley's surprising decision, I think this episode was maybe, I think they got it mixed up from last week and this week. I think because I think there was a surprising decision from Colonel Haley in this episode where uh, it seemed like she didn't want to focus on the ch- Children of Liberty. And after the 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 whole thing with the manifesto and seeing uh, what went down by the end of the uh, the story, I think she realized what was you know, the, the the Children of Liberty were a big threat, so she changed her mind on that and uh, made that more of a priority. So maybe that was her surprising decision. Let me throw a wrench into that theory real quick. What happens if maybe she knew Alex was not and Supergirl were not going to sit on that and not and they she knew they were going to go and research it anyways, and she's using it as a way to teach. Alex and to get her to understand that sometimes you have to trust your instincts and if you think this is going to be bad you need to go with it so maybe she's trying because we, we've seen before where she um, where she has said that Jean was not the leader the DEO needed you're the leader and we can do great things with you you just need some so, so, some work so maybe this was her kind of um, saying all right, don't do it, but really, I know you're going to do it because I want you to trust your instincts as a leader of the DEO. Yeah, she could be testing Alex uh, in a way to to make her a better director. I, I could definitely see that because even with her gruff exterior, I think Colonel Haley is a big teddy bear underneath. I mean, she brought them all sweet potato pie to work. I mean, you can't, you can't be all that bad if you're bringing sweet potato pie for your coworkers. Yeah. Even even your <laughs> the, that coworker that you dislike at work, if they brought you sweet potato pie, you'd be like, all right, you're you're cool today. Uh, so so I don't think she's all that bad. Well, our final email comes from Alina, who is a longtime listener and first time emailer. Alina writes, "Quote: In all of the craziness and all of the character speeches about what's going on in the world, do you think that they'll ever bring up the fact that they might have played a part in this craziness?" And I think Elena uh, uh, means like Team Supergirl. Uh, I mean, they knew about President Marsden being an alien. They decided to say nothing about that and barely gave it a second thought about how this might affect the American people or the government. Heck, I have to admit, even I got a little bit upset at their nonchalant attitude toward it during the first reveal about President Morrison. I'm not saying that the reveal about the president was what kickstarted everything, but it didn't exactly help with the human-alien relations. I guess it. I just find it weird that the characters are upset that the world is upset, unquote. Um, and Alina, I have been thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, why don't they... Uh, consider the implications of what the alien invasions have been uh, having on humanity and the people of Earth and what they think about. They've kind of glossed over it a little bit. They, they, They mention it here or there, but they don't really dig into it and talk like you don't hear Kara wanting to go and talk to the people of Earth and do a series of uh, stories and editorials about you know humanity having issues with this. Um, so I do wish that they would uh, expand on that a little more, but I guess at this point they're more concerned about trying to prevent loss of life when there's a fire breathing dragon and running you know flying around the city. Um, so I, I I hope that they they show more of that moving forward. Um, and also Elena, thank you for writing in and listening to Supergirl Radio. So I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts this week. All right, and we have some voicemails from Joseph, Mauricio, and Jordan. Hey, Supergirl Radio, this is Joseph Murphy calling. I have a real problem with how John Jones has been used in this season because I know there's a budget, so they can only afford to have him look like the Martian Hunter so much of the time, 
but it's becoming really hypocritical. Like there's that there's an episode where they showed him in the group therapy, but they're they're applauding somebody for not using their image reducer anymore, and and he rips on Kara for looking like a human being, when in reality he he is an alien who is choosing to disguise himself as a human, and I don't know how they're going to resolve this, but it makes John look like a huge hypocrite when everyone's talking about being proud of being an alien, and he's hiding in broad daylight. <laughs> and I know we want to keep David Harewood on the show, but they got to resolve this somehow. I know in Smallville, they had Phil Morris's John Jones lose his powers and made him be stuck in his human form, so maybe that's what they'll do to keep David on the show, but I would like to see you know, him embrace his identity as a Martian. Anyway, hope you are in a good episode. Keep up the great work. Hey, Supergirl Radio, Mauricio here with just three short theories slash questions. The first one, do you think at the end of the tease what Lino is doing with that experiment, do you think this is how it leads to Manchester Black and his powers? Because, yeah, he has powers in the comics, as we said before, but, yeah, I think this is how it's going to lead, somehow leading him to get powers if he gets experimented on. So, yeah. Two, um, so after the, I just, yeah, so do you think there's hope for our general lady being redeemed? Because at the end of the day, she might be mean and cruel and all that, but it's like, she doesn't understand Alice's position, and it's like, yep, you guys are right in the end. So do you think she might be redeemed at the end or changed apart? And three, last one, um, I know we're going to, like, I love Bernie so much, but um, would they ever explain why they call him Agent Hux? Because I thought the D.O. knows Kara is Supergirl, and they know Brainy is an alien. You shouldn't know why she calls him Agent Hux or anything. Just to clarify that, if I missed some context in the past. But anyways, thanks for the um, episode. I can't wait to hear reviews. Bye. Hello, Supergirl Radio. This is Jordan Valdez calling in once again about the episode Call to Action. Uh, I absolutely love this episode. Another episode with three Smallville alumni in there. This time, of course, with Helen Slater being thrown into the mix. Uh, again, uh, along with uh, Sam Witwer and Sarah Smith in this episode. So absolutely love that. I'm always a fan of holiday-themed uh, episodes with their Thanksgiving uh, episodes in particular. So I uh, love that about the episode. Um, Brainy had some more hilarious moments that I really got a kick out of. Uh, my favorite one is probably when he didn't really understand what a wink was, like uh, what that was supposed to signify. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was really funny. And then also Supergirl fighting a dragon. My goodness, was that epic. Um, and then it ended in a really cute way. So uh, I I absolutely love this episode. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to hear y'all's thoughts. Talk to y'all later. Fauna forever. Bye-bye. Um, and uh, so in Joseph's uh, voicemail, he talks about how he thinks that Jean is a little bit of a hypocrite because he encourages people to embrace their alien nature and stop using their image inducers uh, when Jean's not doing that himself. Uh, So, Mike, do you think he's being a little bit of a hypocrite on this one? I think there's a difference because if he were to um, show his true self, I think that would um, cause a whole lot more issues than just somebody who's got... um, an alien-looking face or spikes sticking out of their arms or anything like that because you're talking about a a completely-looking Martian. So I, I can understand uh, Joseph's thoughts on that, but I can also see why Jean, is under, Jean, Jean understands. He says, if I 
if I do reveal my true self, it will cause more of a panic than if I just keep myself hidden until time is needed. Um, in Mauricio's voicemail, he mentions, uh, well, he asks the question if Lena's experiments are going to give Manchester Black his powers. Uh, possibly. Who knows? Uh, he's got to get him somewhere if he's going to get him. Um, so the fact that they talked about, you know, people, you know, giving human beings powers, that could be uh, a hint of foreshadowing to that. Um, Mauricio also wondered if Colonel Haley could be redeemed in the end. I think she can. I think she, I think she's got a, a heart of gold underneath uh, all of that military uh, exterior. She seems, uh, seems like somebody who actually really cares about the people in the DEO. So I, uh, I, I, I don't, uh. At this point, I'm, I'm kind of on board with Colonel Haley. Um, and then he also asks a question to clarify uh, about Brainy. Um, so I think, if I understand your voicemail, Mauricio, uh, so Brainy's real name, his actual name, is uh, Quirrell Docs. So when they call him Agent Docs, that's actually uh, because Docs is, uh, for lack of a better term, I guess, his last name. Uh, so Brainiac 5 uh, is actually Coral Doc, so that's why they call him that. Um, and then Jordan just talked about uh, holiday-themed episodes and how much those are, you know, always uh, fun episodes of any show, and uh, he enjoyed seeing Supergirl Friday Dragon. So I agree on both of those points. Uh, so thank you guys for uh, sending in those or, or calling in uh, uh, those voicemails. And before we wrap up, we have some Snap Judgments sent in by our listeners. In the game of Snap Judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended, and explanations are unnecessary. So Mike, this is your uh, first time to play Snap Judgments uh, with us, so get ready. You got some really hard choices, oh boy. but just say what you feel. It's all about your your personal feeling on the matter. Um, so we have our first one is uh, our first set. Actually, we have a bunch this week. Uh, so from Emily, James's suit jacket or his leather jacket from this episode. Which one do you prefer? Suit jacket. I'm gonna go suit jacket too. He looked really good in that suit jacket. Lena did a great job picking that out. Uh, and so the next one from Emily is dragons or dinosaurs. So we saw dinosaurs in season three's shot through the heart when, uh, there was the toy man, uh, centric kind of episode, even though toy man didn't appear, it was kind of about toy man. Uh, so we saw uh, some, uh, toy dinosaurs. So dragons or dinosaurs? Dragons. Definitely dragons. I mean, <laughs> the dinosaur was fun, but come on, drag fire, bring the dragons. Come on. Uh, all right, so we have uh, a snap judgment from at Chris Fundalinski. Uh, she asks, would you rather see Supergirl fighting a dragon or a giant Bebo from Legends of Tomorrow? Giant Bebo, 100%. <laughs> I love some Bebo. <laughs> I'm not a watcher of Legends of Tomorrow, but I do listen to the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, so I know about Bebo, and I've seen images of Bebo. Ah, I could maybe be interested in seeing Supergirl fight Bebo. Bebo sort of looked kind of... Uh, uh, confident and uh, sure of himself. Well, it's only a matter of time, though, before Bebo makes his way into Supergirl somehow, because they has it has made its way into every of the other CW shows except for Black Lightning. Um, it's it's Bebo's been there, whether Bebo Candy Crush, uh, somebody buying Bebo a gi- Bebo for a gift. It's it's funny. We did have uh, a Bebo stuffed animal at the fair. 
uh, when Mercy and Otis uh, seemingly kicked right. the bucket. So we did get a little bit of Bebo there, but uh, we have not gotten a giant Bebo for Supergirl to fight yet. Uh, but maybe that can be coming. I would welcome it. Uh, so we have some snap judgments from Abby, who uh, asks, Eliza's chocolate pecan pie or Colonel Haley's sweet potato pie? Which one would you want to eat, Mike? I am from the South, but I do not like sweet potatoes. So oh, I will go with chocolate blasphemy. pecan pie. So you, would, so you would go Eliza's chocolate pecan pie. Uh, yes. Yeah, that is actually Kara's favorite pie. Uh, so you're in good company. I, I'm not a big fan of nuts in desserts. Take, take them out of the brownies. Get them off the cupcakes. What are you doing? Don't put nuts in desserts. Um, so I would probably go uh, Colonel Haley's sweet potato pie. Sweet potatoes are great for you. So that's even, uh, even if uh, Alex thought maybe it was poisoned. I would take a chance. Uh, I like sweet potatoes. All right, so uh, the next snap judgment is Lena's sparkly Christmas dress or her leafy green Thanksgiving dress. Uh, which one did you think uh, looked a little better? i do that Christmas dress. Yeah, th- this is a tough one. This is a really tough one. Um, I guess the Thanksgiving dress is more appropriate for the setting because it has like leaves on it. And maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's like fall weather. I don't know. I don't know why she wore that. It's, it's, uh, I guess <laughs> I guess, I guess, guess I'm trying to connect it to Thanksgiving in the fall. Reminds me of mint gum. <laughs> it does look like mint leaves. Uh, so I think, <laughs> so maybe if we're going Lena Luther here, and which one is the most inappropriate uh, dress for the location, maybe I'm going to go Thanksgiving dress. I do think the Christmas dress was fun and Christmassy and sparkly. Uh, but I think maybe I'll go with Thanksgiving dress just for the inappropriate nature of it. Um, and so we have Abby's last snap judgment, which which is uh, Kara with Fluffy the Snake or uh, with Spike the Dragon. Which uh, interaction did you like better? Well, I don't like snakes. So I'm going to go with Spike the Dragon. Yeah, I'm going to go Spike the Dragon too. Uh, ooh, snakes. <laughs> All right, so our last set of snap judgments are from Gina. Uh, her first one is Thanksgiving at Kara's or Christmas at Kara's. Which one would you want to attend as a guest? Christmas. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go Christmas at Kara's. I mean, Thanksgiving, they probably have some good food. Uh, but I still, I really like the uh, the atmosphere at the Christmas party. It was, you know, it seemed really cozy and fun. And, and uh, so I, I enjoyed that. All right, so our last snap judgment for this episode uh, comes from Gina. Guardian beating up bad guys with a shield or Brainy beating up bad guys with physics? Brainy, hands down, beating up bad guys with physics. Yeah, Brainy beating up bad guys with physics. That was amazing. No judgments on your snap judgments. So uh, thank you for playing snap judgments with me, Mike. Really appreciate it. Always a fun time. Thank you, listeners, for sending them in. Um, And thank you for everybody who sent in feedback this week. Uh, So that's going to do it uh, for our thoughts and feedback on this episode, Call to Action. And thank you so much, Mike, for coming on the podcast and sharing your thoughts with me this week and just joining me to talk about Supergirl. Uh, Where can our listeners find you on the Internet? Well, um, you can find me um, on Twitter. I'm at at Obi Mike Kenobi. That's Obi underscore Mike Kenobi. Um, if you want to check out our podcast that we, we mentioned earlier, um, Rebecca mentioned it was, it's called Caped Chronicles. Um, it's part of the Random Chatter Network. 
And generally what we do is we started with the 1977 Superman film. And I've seen podcasts that talk about older films. And I've seen podcasts talk about Superman films or super films. So I thought, let's put those together. Um, So we've got a list of about 116 animated as well as um, other movies that are in the superhero genre, whether Marvel or DC. And uh, the most recent one we just put out is the 1995 uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. We've done The Shadow before as well. And we, uh, we're, we're, our upcoming one we're recording this Sunday night will come out probably next Monday or Tuesday. We're going to be talking about The Phantom. Um, and then uh, by the end of the year, we should finally finish up the 90s with Blade, um, along with my co-host, Carrie. Um, we have two new co-hosts, Andrea and Fred. They've also joined us on this podcast. And as well as... Speaking of DC, we have me and my other co-host, Carrie, as well. We have another podcast called DC Talk, and we talk about our DC news from the universe, from TV, and then just general news. And um, we also uh, go through a quick 10-minute recap, um, if not shorter, per all the DC TV um, episodes and shows that we have. So yeah, we, we, we have a good time and, uh, but you can check us out. We're on the random chatter network. Um, but those two podcasts are the Cape Chronicles and DC talk. We'd love to have you come over sometime and take, have a listen to us. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you guys do some, some great work over there. I really enjoyed your episode on the shadow. And I should also mention for Supergirl fans, there is a Supergirl, the movie, uh, episode on there as well. So uh, thank you guys for, uh, all the content that you provide and, and encouraging us to go and rewatch some of those those old films and enjoy them again. Well, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. Uh, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. Uh, make sure to write and call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That helps us get everything together. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify, where we also have a playlist that includes music featured on the show. Uh, we are a little, a literal Supergirl Radio. Uh, we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And as a reminder, Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, and classic DC TV shows, you can you can subscribe to DC TV Podcast on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter and like DC TV Podcast on Facebook. And uh, we also have a tea Public store if you're interested in DC TV merch. And uh, just, um, I'm going to pick a specific item from the store this week because Manchester Black called Jean My Favorite Martian, which is a play on the on the TV series, which actually <laughs> is called My Favorite Martian, which is probably uh, why he said, you know, you must get that a lot. Um, there's actually a t-shirt in the Tee Public store uh, that actually says My Favorite uh, Martian Manhunter. And so uh, you can pick that up if you want to uh, have a really cool... Uh, fun uh play on an old tv series also playing back on supergirl the tv show uh you can check that out from in our t public store you can you just go to supergirlradio.com and you can find a link to the t public store at the top of the page and uh be sure to watch out on our social media accounts uh, specifically twitter and facebook uh there's gonna be a lot of t public sales this week 
Uh, they're having Thanksgiving sales, Black Friday sales, Cyber Monday sales. So if you want to get some dollars off your purchase, uh, this is going to be a great time to buy. Uh, well, if you want to find me personally, you can find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid, and I am uh, also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at JLUniverse.Podomatic.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm mostly these days just retweeting things. Uh, so if you want to follow me there, I'm at Derby Kid. Well, I think that's going to do it for this Supergirl radio episode on the Supergirl episode titled Call to Action. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And after watching this week's Supergirl, I am in the mood for sweet potato pie. (laughs) 